It's imperative that Christians discover the unique gift that God has given them in ministry with the talents and so forth and how he's wired them and to get out of the huddle and to get on the line of scrimmage and to use those gifts. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. If you've been enjoying the podcast, would you take a minute and log onto your favorite podcast platform, rate us, and leave us a review? It would be a tremendous help, and it does help people to find us more easily. Now, on to this week's episode. Join me as I sit down with Dave Hubbard to discuss using your spiritual gifts to serve your church and your community. Dave grew up as a Christian in California and was an All-American collegiate athlete at Brigham Young University. He went on to play in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints, and after the NFL, Dave went into full-time Christian ministry in the San Francisco Bay Area. Dave has served as an associate pastor in California, Oregon, Colorado, and Georgia. He serves with me as a small group ministry assistant and local ministry connections pastor at the Church of the Apostles. In this episode, Dave shares wisdom from his years of faithful service in the church and some insight on trends he's seen over the past 40 years in Christian service. Dave, the serving inward of the church and the serving external. So just to get the ball rolling with our conversation, what are some of the things that have shaped your ministry perspective, your ministry philosophy, so to speak? Okay, I'll start, I guess, maybe chronologically with that, going all the way back to growing up. I grew up in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, right. uh, CNMA, for those who are not familiar with it, it's, uh, 1897 out of New York. And their focus was on fulfilling the Great Commission through the local church, and their focus was on uh, foreign missions. For a long time, they had more missionaries on the field than any other denomination around wow. the world. Wow. And so we had missions, probably two or three missions conferences a year to where missionaries on furlough would spread out and live in, in different homes. So we had missionaries living in our home. And I'm really happy that that happened because it gave me a worldview mm-hmm. that growing up in a, you know, out in the country in, in Napa, California. Back when it was the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have never gotten. So it really gave me perspective and so forth and, and kind of what missions was all about. And yeah. our our church, too, was really consistently focused on, look, everybody here needs to be serving mm. in the church. Outside of the church, we were well connected with the community in terms of, of everyone serving in some capacity in that regard as well. I mean, explain that a little bit, serving in the community what did that look like? It was a matter of identifying, you know, who needed help. In the case there, they had a one of the, I think, the largest in California and one of the largest in the country, a veteran, the veteran's home, okay. which was up Valley. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of help that they needed from Christians in, mm. in that capacity. And whether it was the, the nursing homes, you yeah. know, I remember, I mean, every week we would, as young people and even earlier, after church, we would go to a nursing home and spend yeah. an hour or two 
uh, getting to know the people sitting by their bedside, yeah. maybe singing some songs, do, you know, but it was just this, look, we, we've got to be connected and we've got to be, uh, you know, using the gifts that God's given you in some capacity in that regard. Just in thinking through that, I mean, most Western governments have set up a lot of those safety nets and things like that that have kind of we maybe we come to this later if you want to keep going with your story, but it's you know they've been set up to where almost the church doesn't need to do certain things. Um, yeah, so veteran no, help, no, serving no veterans, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, soup kitchens. You know, yeah. they're almost all of them started with a Christian worldview, Christian perspective. You know, the whole hospital movement, you know, that came from a Christian worldview and was kind of antithetical to the worldview at the time. Yep. But yeah, now no, we, no, we, we've seen government organizations come in and, and, for lack of a better term, hijack them. And to the point where, I mean, just I'm just trying to think through my head, you know, if I went as a Christian to a retirement home and said, oh, you know, we're from the local church and we want to come and sing some songs, you know, they're going to say, nah. You can't do that. You can you can come and be kind and spend time with these people, but you can't sort of proselytize, evangelize any of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we've traveled down a road that's taken it completely out of sync, if you will, from what used to be. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. It was all the churches or religious organizations and, of course, you know, the whole hospital yeah. system, as you said, yeah. all of that was all churches. And, yeah, so I would say the biggest thing that happened that kind of moved probably churches off of that whole aspect of serving was the government right. taking charge of all of that. And yeah. so the idea became then, which is detrimental down the line is, uh, you know, okay, well, I pay my taxes. Right. So that's my, that's my contribution. Yeah. And, right. and they take it from there and do whatever they want to do. And the problem with that is that many, as you know, from the veterans administration, it's been absolutely horrible. Disaster, yeah. um, they're, they're not run well, the mm. wasting of money, the mm. bureaucracy, the everything else is, uh, is just horrible. So, and even today with all the 501c3s and the nonprofits and so forth, you have to be very, very careful as it relates to kind of vetting what's going on right. with all of that to make sure. And and then again, to your point of, yeah, of sharing the gospel, that can be crippled very easily too because right. of, of, uh, of all, you know, the quote unquote separated church of state and, and you know, and all the rest of what, uh, mm. what goes on there. Mm. Mm. Well, keep going with your. Yeah, the your, second your thing. Story, I, yeah. The second thing I think that shaped my you know, kind of my philosophy and my views with all of this was when I stepped out of the NFL and directly into full time ministry, and it so happened that the senior pastor who I served with was an ex high school coach out of, out of Southern California, out of Los Angeles. So that put ex high school coach and an ex NFL athlete <laughs> together, right? And 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 so we would often work through how similar we we felt the church was to the paradigm of football right in terms of just the, the you know the aspect of playing the game yeah and out of that came this idea that yeah you know we got a lot of people sit you know <laughs> they just attend the games right and they just view it yeah. from the stands they're in the stands yeah yeah and then you've got others who are on the team they don't really play they're on the sideline right and then you've got those that do play and, uh, you know, and so that's the line of scrimmage. That's yeah, where the yeah. game is actually happening. Right. And so we did, I actually did a, uh, filmed it in 16 millimeter. We, I got some volunteers, just chose some people in the church that I thought would do well with it. Went to one of the high schools after church, put them all in uniform, went out on the field. And uh, the skit was that they're in the huddle, but they just won't break the huddle. 
So he had somebody there in a full referee outfit and he threw the yellow flag as a delay of game, moved the huddle back and they still wouldn't break the huddle. And this happened, you know, again and again and again until they're now 30 yards, 40 yards going backwards. Yeah. And he finally breaks into the huddle. And at this point, they're laying on the ground, so their helmets off, chewing on a blade of grass, yeah. you know. And he's like, what is the matter with you people? And so then to a person moving around the huddle, all these different reasons why they don't want to break the huddle. You know, it's like, well, we love our group here. And, you know, we've been able to memorize the plays and, you know, you know more efficiently and, yeah. and on and on. And then this kind of the second half of it was you can get hurt on the line of scrimmage. I mean, you know, it's pretty safe here, you know. And so, again, it just, yeah, yeah it, it says, yeah, it's very easy, in my opinion, very, very easy for churches to kind of shape into a lot of huddles. A lot, yeah. You've got huddles all over the place, and, right? Yeah, comfort but, zones. And, yes, yeah. yes. But mm-hmm. then the question is, how much are we involved, you, you know, as God wants us to be in terms of being the hands and feet of Jesus and touching the lives of others and so on? Tim Timmons was a pastor at the time down mm-hmm. in Southern California, yeah. and he had a great saying. Um, he'd kind of lean over the pulpit, look out of, at the congregation and say, aren't we just talking to ourselves? That's such a great question. You know, we do a lot of talking to ourselves and that's mm-hmm. that's great. That's fine. But we need to be talking to others as well. So you have to be proactive. You have to be intentional in order to uh, to make that work. So, you know, the most compelling verse is Ephesians 2.10 for God's workmanship, mm-hmm. God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, mm-hmm. which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the translation is God created us to do good works and has prepared the way for us to do so. Yeah. So it's imperative that Christians discover the unique gift that God has given them in ministry with the talents and so forth and how you know how he's wired them and to get out of the huddle and to get on the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and to use those gifts. I used to give an illustration of it would go like this. Imagine that you were in a you were in an orphanage and the goal of your life is to get adopted. And you would go down to the front desk every day and, you know, has somebody adopted me? Has somebody adopted me? And days, weeks, months go by. And finally you go down this day and they say, yes, you have been adopted. The paperwork has been signed. The, the, the contracts, it's all legal. And, but it's a good news, bad news. The good news is that has actually happened. Yeah. And here's the couple. And, you know, the bad news is you have to stay here. You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's, I, I don't know that that's good news at all, you know. But the idea is that that's what happens really to us with mm. God, right? Mm. He adopts us into his forever family. We have the guarantee of, of heaven. The Holy Spirit comes, you know, to dwell, mm. to dwell with us. But why don't we just go home at that point? You know, why does God say, okay. This is my good news. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really good news. You're yeah. coming with me. And at that point, we just leave the planet right into yeah. our, our future forever home. You know, I think a part of that is that we've got work to do. Mm. There's part of that is kind of the training camp of life that I think leverages into the part of heaven that we don't completely understand, you right. know, in right. terms of all we need to figure out and grow and learn. Right. Right. But I think is another part of it. We're his ambassadors, right? He's mm-hmm. making his appeal to others through us mm-hmm. in order for that to work. We have to be touching the light. We have to be in the mix and middle, right, of relationships. And it really is all about relationships with people in that regard. You know, just thinking back to our earlier conversation on the government sort of created these avenues of help and and aid for people in need, et cetera. Where where does the, so for us and kind of trying to alter that and shift around that, 
and finding the, the the new avenues that are available to us, are they far and wide? Are they near? Is it my next door neighbor across the street? Is it foreign mission? How do I find the like tangible? Yeah. Where the Lord is calling me to? I think number one, it is antenna up and radar constantly going. I think it should be right where you live yeah. and the neighbors that surround you, those in your subdivision, yeah. you know, and so that's where like the, the neighborhood apps and, you know, even Facebook and some of that can be good in the sense that mm-hmm. you are connecting and seeing the needs and responding to those yeah. because that's where it's most personal, right? you know, to you. I remember, and I guess that would be number three for me in this evolution was uh, the Mexicali mission trip thing. So when I was a youth pastor in California, mm-hmm. that was back when all of the vacations and everything synced up with holidays, with even the secular schools and, yeah. and, and Christian schools and everything else. So that it was really great. I mean, in you know the whole state of California, when it came to like Easter break, you could do mission trips and do things, and, yeah. and you knew that everybody was you know was available, was and, available, yeah. and free to do it. So somebody came up with the idea of what, what they were calling Mexicali, and they really reached out and got lots of youth groups from all over the state of California. We went down to Mexicali, which is actually Calexico, which is the California side city. Okay. Right across the border is Mexicali. Right. Okay? Mexicali was about 400,000. Clever naming. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was about 400,000 people. And they set up what uh, worked out a deal with farmers where they, you know, kind of leveled the fields at that particular time. So it's a huge area and you'd come in and kind of set up a tent city. And so you had your areas with tents for your youth group and you were next to another one and so forth. They built a platform, they bring in musicians. And so in the evening, you know, you'd have some music and you're with all these other young people, which is great. And then in the morning you went across the border and they assigned you a village. And so you went to that village and you did like data vacation, Bible school type things, Easter week for the kids and maybe some, you know, connective things to the church there. So what was really good, as it turned out, is that I went the first year to just observe. Sure. I didn't take a group. Right. And what happened with that was I was traveling around to different villages. Because I wasn't directly involved, didn't have any responsibility in that sense, I could spend time with the people in the village, with the pastor, yeah. to ask, how is this going? Yeah. Do what you are, like yeah. this? Is it is it helpful to you? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. all the rest. Helpful questions. Yes. And the answer was, yes, no, we love it. it. However, we don't understand why you don't stay with us. Why are you staying across the border and then going through the rigmarole? And it was to come across every day and then go back every day. We could plow fields. You could stay right here. We would welcome you, whatever. So taking that back, I said, okay, I'll do it, but we're we're not doing the tent city thing. We're going to go to the village. So it took a little doing. I mean, you can imagine today with the car. I mean, you could yeah. with the border. No <laughs> way you could do any of this. But back then, uh, you know, we had a little convincing on the on the parent side. But we took a group, and I think the final group I took in was over a hundred kids. Yeah, over a vill- and and we stayed right there. We end so doing that like for six years consecutively. We built them an entirely new church physically. Yeah. We ended up saying, what else could we do? Uh, not necessarily for the church, but maybe the community. Yeah. That was fun. Cause I realized that what happened to all of the 
great park equipment, right? The schools, you know, oh, the, right. and they're the really dangerous stuff. You know, the monkey bar, the steel monkey steel, bars, yeah, and, that's right. and the the the, 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 the get you sick spinning, thing, you know, all that stuff. And so I asked around and found out, oh, it's all in a big pot, and you can have whatever you want. So we rented a flatbed truck and took. They had like the best park ever. We put in a whole park for the village, yeah, and you know, and all of that. So I mean, the lesson learned from that was, I think, a really important one. Almost leaning back into the, you know, the question you just asked to the mm-hmm. neighbors and the rest. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do kind of a motel missionary kind yeah. of thing, yeah. You know, where you're kind of doing something, but in you're kind of not, yeah. In the sense that you're really, you know, you know where you're supposed to be. The motel missionary is a distance ministry kind of an approach. And I witnessed that down through the line with other churches mm-hmm. many times in how they approached it. And, and I laugh at this because it's it's funny when you put it this way, but what would typically happen is the church would say, well, we, we need to get our people into an outreach event, right? Yeah. So we call the ministries that we support and we say, what are you doing on the second week of August? And they go, I, I don't know. They say, well, what, what would you need? What could we do for you on the second week? I say, I don't know. Well, you got to come up with something because we've designated that as outreach. Come, weekend, right? <laughs> so they they come back with, well, you could you know, trim the bushes and maybe mow the lawns. You could paint something, right? Right. So the church, we gather and we print up T-shirts and we go out and we do all this stuff and we come back and we take some videos and some pictures and so forth. And boom, there you have it. Okay, so we did our outreach, right? With this, great. yeah, this motel missionary, right. you know, kind of an approach, and that's something that really has to change. We, yeah. we have to get off of that kind of mentality yes. and really get, again, in the line of scrimmage, get down in the dirt, if you will, yeah. get our fingernails dirty, which means at that point that you're, again, building relationships. You don't build relationships in that kind no, of situation no, you're at in all. and out. Yeah. You're nameless and faceless. And, yeah. 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 So so what does that look like? What is the what is the line of the scrimmage well, and the, the, church, dirt, the dirty the, work the, look like? I ended up at uh, – uh, the last church that I served at before ultimately moving to Atlanta was New Hope Community Church in uh, Portland, Oregon. It was in Clackamas, a suburb of Portland. Mm-hmm. And it was a church of 5,000 people attending on Sunday. It was a huge church. Wow. And I was one of 24 pastors on staff. Dale Galloway was the one that had started that church, and they were committed to equipping members to serve anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. And their tagline was, every member is a minister. Wow! So everything was shaped to you coming into this place. You need to discover what your gifts are, and you need to be using those, serving Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. the community here Mm -hmm. with the church inside and outside. Okay. And so they were extremely well connected within the community. They had a great reputation. Uh, Leaders were coming from different parts of the country at that point to come in to really be trained and understand, you know, how the church was doing what they were doing as far as uh, small groups, volunteerism, uh, care ministries and missions and so forth. Yeah. And I think from there, we then migrated into the social gospel thing. Right. And that messed up everything. And it's funny because the social gospel goes all the way back to like 1870 in terms of when it, you know, when it actually started. Right. But it's alive and well in liberal leaning churches across the country today. And, and, you know, the basic idea is that to be a part of the kingdom of God uh, or even worse, to be saved, you must play an active role in uh, the betterment of society. 
right, through the works of, of charity and justice and, and so on. So right. now we've got what is it, you know, a kind of a works-based right. kind of a thing. And, and that also goes a long way to change the, yeah. the, the dynamic completely. of what, so, it, it flips the intent. Yeah, so you, you've removed the gospel, the, the calling, the sending nature uh, of a transformed heart and made it more about the going out is just a reflection of your righteousness. Yes. Here's an illustration. I heard this in a, in a message from Alistair Begg, and he wasn't using it in, in necessarily in this context, but I found it fascinating. He said he was in Scotland, and he sees a billboard advertising the need to give blood. Okay, And it's a picture of a small boy. He obviously is sick. You know, right. he's, de- he's deathly sick. He needs a blood transfusion. And it said, try telling him no, because you're afraid of a needle. Okay, that was the yeah that was on the on That's the billboard. Yeah. It's pretty compelling, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So then he's back in America, and he sees it, a billboard for giving blood. Yeah, and this one is similar. The sign shows a picture of an adult smiling and happy, and it said, "Feel good about yourself. <laughs> Donate blood." Interesting. So the, the comparison of those two is yeah. kind of what we're talking about yeah. here. Right. In context, the one speaks to sacrifice. Right. The other speaks to self-love. Yeah. Yeah. The need of another versus the need of self-gratification. Yes, sort exa- of. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, believe in good. yourself, follow your heart, be true to yourself. It's very selfish. Yeah. And uh, the message of the first billboard was all about the person in need. In need yeah. Acknowledging the sac- that that the sacrifice that would be necessary to meet that need. The message of the second billboard was all about the person serving. Yeah. Right. Playing off the notion that by doing so, you can feel better about yourself. It becomes this virtue signaling yeah. and, and look kind good of to everyone else. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Post the picture of you giving blood on social media to the praise and accolades of <laughs> all your friends. You know, yeah, that's kind of that where we're at. A great yeah. selfless yeah. person. Yeah. So the one is all about the boy feeling better. Right. <laughs> The other is about me feeling yeah, better. Yeah. yeah, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So it's a subtle difference, yeah. but huge in the context of what our motivation to serve should be. Mm. So, you know, the biblical mandate to serve, it flips it on its head. Mm. See, because we're to, you know, to be nothing about me, Yeah, you know, and everything about the person that I'm serving. Mm. Let's talk about roadblocks, because uh, anyone who's listening to this is thinking, I'm busy uh, I've got a family, uh, you know, I need to take care of them. I, I don't have time, you know, time, energy, mm-hmm. resources. I mean, you go down the list, you know, there's an endless list of reasons why not to. Yeah. The government's going to do it. You know, it's yeah. just added to the list. I, I think another really practical one there, though, and we miss this sometimes, I don't think we should put kind of a heavy hand of obligation to serving necessarily right. on young couples sure. with children. Right. They're yeah. in a mission field a all their own, right? Yeah, especially when they're sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know what right. I'm saying? That's and right. so, and seasons so for it's age right. of stage yeah. of life. Yeah. The yeah. seasonal thing, I think, is really yeah. important. So that's yeah. where we're, when you're empty nester, yeah. when the kids are gone, all of a sudden you have all of this time yeah. when you really can do things that you couldn't do and maybe shouldn't be doing. You know, in earlier it, it's interesting, Dave, as I think about this, even thinking, you know, for the family with young children. You know, what are the ways that young people bring joy to 
older people, I mean, even taking your kids to a retirement home or somewhere wherever your parents or grandparents or somebody are, is staying and, you know, let your kids kind of wander around the room a little bit and say hi. And that probably needs to be done with caution. But uh, just thinking about th- th- there's a lot of different avenues and dynamics that I think every people group could be thinking through and even things you may already be doing that are actually acts of service that you just think, well, this is just what I normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important. And then you think about for a young family, yeah. for instance, you know, our church, we do a pretty good job, I think, of when a family has a new child, people from kind of different walks and stages cook and prepare meals and bring mm-hmm. them to the family mm-hmm. because that's such great, a relief great, to great them. Example. So you're, you're yeah. now a recipient of that loving community. You've taken a burden off of them. They have a lot going on that serves them well. And then what it shows them is the benefit of receiving that kindness. You're going to want to be a reciprocate that in some capacity to the other, the rest of the church body. No question. And it, yeah. And there are instances when, I mean, I'll go back to the going to the nursing home, but I didn't want to do that. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? No, I don't. These people are really old. They're sick. They're drooling. You know, whatever, you know, as a kid, you're just like, no way. But forced to do so once you get in there and you meet someone and again, relationship, right? So all of a sudden you have a relationship with two of these people and they're telling you how happy they are and how wonderful it is for them that you come and they look forward to you coming every week. So all of that again begins to happen if you can just kind of, and so this is where parentally, yeah, kind of make it happen. Introduce your kids to it. mm -hmm. And and, same thing. Like, and there's opportunities like, I, I I mean, operation Christmas child does that. Does it not with identifying with these children? And then you put a box together. And so all of that takes you through that process, even though to make that more local, Okay, is have a homeless person yeah, or someone and, yeah. and actually or along who's incarcerated or I yes, know they do a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Along with the all the gifts that you're giving. Yeah. That you sacrifice and you mm. put something together. And and that's I think really important in America. We're a consumer society, right? Yeah. Consumer driven, yeah. very materialistic and very <laughs> selfish. Yeah. And and, <laughs> yeah. and all the rest of what we've discussed. So you yeah. to counter all of that, yeah. I think as young as possible to intentionally set up some of those things and and stick with it are really important. Well, and even kind of around, again, what we talked about at the beginning, but having some skin in the game and actually going out and doing and being a part of and not just sort of saying my yeah. tax dollars pay for Absolutely. doing, taking care of all that, you know, so you've got a, a, a level of removal, you know, versus letting your kids see, you know, not everyone lives like you do. Some people aren't as well off and, yeah. and, and then kind of talking to them about that and what that looks like. And yeah. Yeah, we have our on mission field kind of, we have five rental houses. Yeah. You know, and they're not expensive homes. Right. And so you end up, the most difficult thing about that whole thing is is your tenants, you know, yeah. getting good renters. And, right. And, but they're not all good renters, and but it's not always their fault. Right. Right. So yeah. constantly we're running into situations, right, where, you right. know, I, I can't pay the rent. Well, why can't you pay? You know. Right. And so right. that situation? becomes like yeah. a, almost a mission field yeah, where yeah. if you're willing to go there. Yeah where you can get involved in their lives and, mm. and, and show them the love of Christ and, mm. and, and even potentially mm. lead them to Christ. So, yeah, it's connecting with people outside of your comfort zone Yeah, uh, it, it, as far as, you know, all those things are concerned. Do we want to take this conversation to, uh, you know, going abroad and, and, you know, opportunities to, you've given the Mexicali missions example, but seeing how other cultures exist and learning and 
you know, opportunities for that. Churches do often take, you know, particularly in the United States, you're going to South and Central America and a lot of the island nations, Dominican Republic, Haiti, you know, and seeing a lot mm -hmm. of real poverty. Where does that kind of fit into the scheme of things? Yeah, I think all things considered and looking back over the, especially the six years that we took and developed everything in that village and with all the young people that we took, and it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. The most powerful thing that happened mm -hmm. to a student was it rocked their world as it related to here's a people that are, they're dirt poor. Yeah. They have less than nothing, but they're happy. Yeah. And they're fulfilled. Right. And they're not depressed. Right. And they're, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they, you know, so experiencing that yeah. is really, really powerful. And it does change your life yeah. going forward. I kept track with a lot of these students, even to this day, and they still speak of it, of how it changed their future hmm. uh, as far as uh, seeing things differently. Yeah, it does. It changes your perspective. I have a, a friend who we've had on the podcast who, Asked questions of kids from around the world, and he said, "None of the kids from third world countries asked any questions about suffering." <laughs> it's almost point. like, yeah, right, right. well, that's just kind of part of life, isn't it's it? But weird. all the first world, all the first world <laughs> right. kids were going, right. "Right, you know, why is there so much suffering in the world?" And it's like the kids that are actually suffering are asking completely different questions. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just you know, it does. It's a it's yeah. this perspectival shift for, especially kind of uh, you know Western. Yeah. Um, it's a culture shock and it's a good yeah, culture shock. It's a biblical yeah, culture shock. Yeah, it's a yeah, good, it's, yeah, good it's, reminder. It's really, really good in that respect. Yeah. Well, this is, I think, been a helpful conversation as we kind of think about, you know, what does it look like? We, of course, recommend you go and talk to pastors at your church and ask about ways to serve. Find out what your spiritual gifts are and start putting them in practice. Look around you. Look in your neighborhood. Look at your schools that your kids are in and, and, and think about avenues where you can connect, you can plug in, you can build relationships with people because everybody has some level of struggle to some degree. And again, we want to be yeah. the, the hands and on and a feet positive of note, yeah. when I got kind of into the weeds with all of this mm -hmm. at the church, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people serving. Yeah in exactly the way we would want it to. And as we talked about and described, they're not virtue signaling with right. it. They're not blowing their they're trumpet it the about it. That's yeah. right. They're, they're doing it quietly yeah. and nobody has any idea. And that's kind of the yeah. way it should work as well. Yeah. Well, this has been a helpful conversation. Dave Hubbard, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your service. So grateful to have you back on Candid Conversations. Great. Thanks to be here. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.